This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3519 for Thursday the 27th of January 2022. Today's show is entitled, Rust 101, episode 2, Rolling with the Errors and this part of the series, Programming 101, it is hosted by Black Colonel, and is about 54 minutes long, and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, in this episode, Black Colonel helps you construct a simple dice rolling application in Rust. Hello and welcome to Hacker Public Radio. My name is Black Colonel and this is episode two of my tutorial on Rust. In this episode, I'm going to be taking you from the Hello World default program that gets created when you create a new program with Cargo that I went over with last time. And I'm going to take you from that to a fully functional dice rolling application. Um, it's not going to be anything fancy at this stage, uh, but in this episode i'm going to go over how to use external crates so those are crates which do not come pre-installed with rust so the not in the standard library of rust i'm going to show you how to use a standard crate which actually it's going to be in that order because the standard crate that we're going to be using is a uh, slightly more esoteric than the external crate that we're going to be using because the external crate is the random library that we're going to be needing to roll dice and I'm also just going to go over how to do variable declarations, loops, and a couple of other things. Now, I'm not going to be getting into, well, I'm going to be getting into if statements, but I'm not going to be getting into for loops or while loops because I kind of think that those might be, I mean, first of all, the syntax of them are just based on the same syntax as an if statement. So once you know how to write an if statement, you can pretty confidently go into especially while loops. And for loops aren't that complicated if you're familiar with other for loops. But if you're not familiar with programming in general, both of those can get pretty complicated as far as from a logical perspective. And Rust has this concept of just a loop, which is an infinite loop. You can think of it like a while true in um, most languages, like you can do a while true in C or you can do it in Bash even. Uh, and that's kind of what it is, but it's just a, a infinite loop that's just loop. And then you break out of the loop when you want to break out of the loop. That's what I'm going to be using in this particular example for simplicity, as well as just to show off that functionality of Rust, because I think it's really cool. So to get started, we're going to, we have the Hello World program right here. And I'm just going to start out with making, uh, I think I went over this in the last episode, but it's been a while, so I don't actually know. What we're going to do is we're going to change this. So instead of printing Hello World, it's going to be printing out a variable. Specifically, I'm going to use the variable for the total of all of the dice that we're going to end up rolling. So I'm going to replace the hello world with total, T-O-T-A-L, a colon and a space, and then an open curly brace and a closing curly brace. And what this is, is if you've ever used the printf statement in um, bash or in C or any of those languages, this will be kind of familiar as a, as in the syntax that this, how this works, which is you put in a some kind of marker token, and then it will replace that token with the variables you put afterwards in order. And how it does that is if you've ever used bash with like an echo and then a double quote, and you want to put a variable inside of that double quote, just insert it into the middle of the string, you can put a dollar sign in front of the name of the variable. It kind of does a similar thing, but it's a little bit more flexible and a little bit more general. So we'll have the opening and closing curly braces and then after the closing double quote 
we're going to put a comma, a space, and the name of the variable that I'm going to use here is sum or sum because it's going to be the sum of all of the dice rolls later on. But for right now, it's just a variable, so it could, you could call it anything. Uh, that's just what I'm using here. So the way that this is going to work is whatever value we give to sum, it's going to take that value and replace the open and closing braces, that little token. It's going to replace it with the value that's in sum. You can get a lot more complicated with this formatting style in Rust, but for right now, that's all we're going to be using it. So then before this line, we need to define what sum is. So I'm just going to do a simple declaration for now. So right before that line, I'm going to put let let space and then the name of our variable which in this case is sum sum and i'm going to do i mentioned that you don't have to do this when i was talking about just stuff in rust in general i believe in episode zero but i'm going to make explicit type declarations just for uh, ease of reading just so that you know what everything is so i'm going to put a colon after the name of the variable a space and i'm going to put u32 which is an unsigned integer that is 32 bits, which can get very large because it takes all of the same amount of memory as a 32-bit integer. So it takes one 32-bit byte of uh, memory, but it doesn't use negative numbers. So you can just keep making it as big as you want. You get double the amount of space as you would with a signed integer that's the same bit. So you can get much bigger positive numbers with a U32 than you can with an I32, but you're you're limited to only having positive numbers. So this wouldn't work for negative numbers or any of that kind of stuff. But since we're using this as a sum of dice rolls, uh, we're not really expecting to get a negative value out of it, at least not in the way that I'm doing it right now, which is not involving fudge dice or anything that involves negatives in that way. And I'm going to put a space, an equal sign, a space, and then a zero, and then a semicolon. So we're going to assign this the value of zero to start with, and then we're going to add to it later. But for right now, this is what we what we got. I'm going to save this file, and I'm going to run it just with... If you are in the, the project folder, so in this case, I'm using the name Rust Roller for this project. If you're in that project folder, you can type in cargo space run, and it will compile and run the program. I believe I went over this before, but that's how we're going to be testing it at each stage. So what we're expecting to get out, this is sort of, I know this isn't really about Rust specifically, this is a programming thing in general, but one of the first things about programming is debugging. And going through it step-by-step step like this will aid you in debugging, because the first rule of debugging is to know what you're expecting to get out, and then when you test it, you compare what you expected to what you got, and then you try to figure out if something went wrong, how it went wrong from that point. So right now we're expecting for it to just, for it to print out total colon space zero, because that brace, that double brace thing is going to be replaced with the value of sum, which in this case is zero. So I'm gonna run cargo.run, and we get total space zero, which is exactly what we were expecting. Uh, so everything is good at this state. So now we have something which can print out our sum variable. So now we need it to actually generate a random number. And to start out with this, we're going to be doing a single random number from one to two to start out with, just to make sure that we can do, we can get that down before we move on to the next step. This is sort of building on what we already have at each stage, because then if something goes wrong, we can pinpoint exactly the change where it went wrong. This is 
some basic troubleshooting stuff, but I think it's good to go over it in case there's anyone who hasn't really been exposed to basic troubleshooting or basic programming uh, concepts before. It, and I just find it useful to refresh even for people who are familiar with it. So you understand more of what exactly is the thought process behind the debugging rather than just sort of going on instinct or something like that, because it can be a little bit dangerous to do that. So in order to import our random library, we're going to go into the project folder. There's a file called cargo.toml, which is cargo with a capital C dot tango oscar mike lima t-o-m-l in this file we got two headings we have package and dependencies they're both in square brackets in the package heading we have the name of the uh of the project which in this case is rust roller uh we have the version of the package in which in this case is 0.1.0 which is the default that it gives to the very first instance of the package and you have the addition, which in this case is 2021. This is the addition of the version of Rust that you're using because they've changed the syntax and stuff in each edition. So this will make sure that the compiler knows what edition it should be comparing it to so that it knows what's an error and what isn't. So it knows what syntax to be using, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then under that, you have the dependencies heading. And this is where you're going to add whatever external crates you're going to be using. This is something I really, really, really like about Rust because it has its own package manager in Cargo. When you make a library, you can upload it to Cargo. You can upload it to, well, I guess it's crates.io technically, but you can upload it to this place that is connected to the whole Cargo ecosystem. Uh, you can write documentation, which is has a standard form, which goes onto docs.rs, which allows you to find documentation for the crates really easily which is really nice and it allows for you to utilize those packages very very seamlessly within a rust program which i'm going to be showing you in a second but right now all we need to do is underneath the dependencies heading we're going to type in rand that's romeo alpha november delta space equals space double quote and then 0 0.8.0 and then a closing double quotes now that's the version of this particular package that we're going to be using. I believe this is the latest version, but you can put any other version number as long as you're familiar with like the way that it works because it's going to be drawing on that version specifically. Now, just going to take a brief aside here because I think this is really cool. If you go to docs.rs, that's Delta Oscar Charlie Sierra dot Romeo Sierra, you put a slash, you put the name of the crate which in this case is Rand. Then you put a slash and you put the version that you're using of that crate, which in this case is 0.8.0. Then you hit enter. You're going to be taken to the documentation for that crate and for that version of that crate, which will give you all of the um, modules, structures, traits, functions, etc., whatever's in there for that crate to give you a sense of how to use that crate, which is really nice because if you end up using an old version of a crate or if you end up having to um, maintain legacy code using an older version of a particular crate, you'll still be able to access the documentation for that version until you get a chance to update it, which is, it's just beautiful in my opinion. It's one of the things that's just, it's so nice to be able to have that. Uh, we've basically finished importing it as far as what we need from the cargo.toml. So let's go back into our main.rs. And 
above the main function declaration, above that fn dot or fn space main, I'm going to give myself a couple of lines and we're just going to type in use, uh, that's uniform Sierra echo space, and then the name of the crate, which in this case is Rand. So that's going to be Romeo Alpha November Delta. And then we're going to put two colons, that's colon colon. And then we're going to put a opening curly brace. And we can put in here, it's going to be a comma separated list of the things that we want to import from this particular crate. In this case, what we're going to be importing is the function thread range and the trait range. Uh, so a common convention in Rust is that if you have a function or a variable that spans multiple words, you'll use what's called snake case, which means that everything is lowercase and the words are separated by underscores. And if you have traits or classes or any of those higher level structures, then they will be in camel case, I believe. They might still be in, they start with a capital letter. That's that's all I'm trying to say. They, If it starts with a capital letter, it's probably a trait or a class or a struct or something like that. And if it's a snake case, then it's probably a function or a variable. That's sort of the way that it, they um, separate things in Rust parlance. So in this case, we're going to have the um, function thread range, which is going to be the word thread, all lowercase, an underscore, and then RNG, which is Romeo November Gulf. I'm going to put a comma and then a space, and then I'm going to do a capital R, capital Romeo, lowercase n, lowercase g. This is the trait range, which is used by the function thread range. And that's why we need to import it. We're not actually going to be using it directly in this example. So at this point, we can use the function thread range or the trait range uh, in this program. So within our main function, at the very top above the um, above the sum declaration, I'm going to put let space and then it's, I'm going to put in a mute, which is an MUT, mic uniform tango, because we need this variable to be mutable because it's going to be random as, as we're using it, it's going to be changing. So it needs to be mutable. And then we're going to put a space and then we're going to put um, RNG, all lowercase in this case. You can put whatever name you want for this, but because it's the it's the range that we're going to be using or the random number generator that we're going to be using. Um, that's sort of the uh, parlance that it makes sense to use. So it's going to be the RNG, the random number generator. And we're going to set this equal to the function thread range. So that's thread underscore RNG. And I know I keep saying range, even though it's supposed to be random number generator. It's a bad habit that I've gotten into a lot. But whenever I say range, I mean random number generator. I think basically, oh no, because there's actually the word range coming up. So I'm going to try in the future of this to specify RNG versus range, because I know that the RNG is random number generator. It's just a little bit more difficult to say random no or RNG instead of range, even though they mean totally different. Sorry about that. Um, so we have this RNG now, this random number generator. Uh, and what we're going to be doing for this is we're going to be generating a number. In this case, I'm for this example, it's going to be from one to two because it's easy to see if it's working if you have a very small range because you won't be getting the same number over and over again. It'll be a 50-50 chance of getting the same number. I mean, I guess it would be better if it was a larger range now that I'm thinking about it because then it'll change a lot more over a larger range. So you know what? I'm going to change the what I have here to between one and a hundred because why not? 
Um, so we'll be able to see if it changes more often, um, which will aid us because if we keep getting the same number, we don't know if it's working or if it's just giving us the same number over and over again. So after our sum declaration, right now it's set to zero because we haven't added anything to it. Now, now we're going to essentially roll a die. We're going to get our first die, which in this case, I'm going to be calling our current die because later on, we're going to be rolling more dice. So I'm going to start the declaration with let, L-E-T, that's uh, Lima Echo Tango, space current, or C-U-R is what I'm going to be using. That's Charlie Uniform Romeo, underscore die, D-I-E, that's Delta India uh, Echo, and then a colon, and then space uniform 32, because this is also going to be a 32-bit unsigned integer, because it's not possible at the moment for us to be rolling a negative value. Then we're going to put an equal sign, a space, then we're going to put lowercase rng, that's a reference to our variable that is assigned to thread rng. We're going to put a period, a dot, and then we're going to put in gen, that's gulf echo november for generate, and then underscore range, the word range, that's romeo alpha november gulf echo, a open parentheses, and then this will be the range that we want to generate over, which in this case is going to be 1 to 100 inclusive. You can do exclusive or inclusive ranges in this particular random uh, random library, which is something I really, I really like because it's useful to have flexibility there. So we're going to be doing it inclusively so that the numbers can be read more easily and make more sense. So we're going to do a 1 and then a double period, that's dot, dot, and then an equal sign, and then the number 100. So this is going to be a range from 1 to 100, including 100 at the end. And then a closing parentheses and a semicolon. So what this is going to be doing, it's going to be generating a range from 1 to 100, including 100, and including 1, because it includes the lower bound always. And it's going to be generating a RNG. It's going to take, it's going to generate a random number with the random number generator from that range and feed it into our current die variable. And since we're not using any negative numbers in the range, we know it's not going to be negative, so we can use an unsigned 32-bit integer to basically have more memory efficiency because it's more efficient if we're not going to be using any um, negative values to use an unsigned integer. Technically, I could use like an 8-bit unsigned integer if I wanted to because I don't think that this, I mean, 1 to 100 is definitely not going to be above a 8-bit integer. 8-bit unsigned integer, but we're going to be making this user modifiable later. So this will allow the user to get larger numbers if they so wish. Although if they're rolling dice for that large of numbers for a tabletop RPG or something, then, you know, may whatever God have mercy on those players or the God forbid the DM. Um, so now we have a die that has been rolled but we haven't added it to our sum yet. So that's the next thing that we're going to do. After our current die declaration, we're going to type in the word sum, which is our variable, uh, and then a space, and then equals, and then a space, and then sum. So we're going to add whatever the current value of sum is to it, and then add to it, so plus, and then a space, and then C-U-R underscore D-I-E. That's Charlie Uniform Romeo underscore Delta India Echo, which is the name of our current die variable. And then we're going to end that line with a semicolon. So this will take whatever the current value of sum is, add the current die value to that value of sum, and make that the new value of sum. This is going to be useful for when we put in the loop to add more dice, 
but for now it's just going to be adding whatever the current die is to zero which is going to be whatever the current die value is anyway and then we're going to output the, that sum which is going to be whatever the die value is because this original value of sum is zero so it's all going to work correctly it's a little bit bloated at this point just because we're going through multiple steps but those multiple steps will help us later when we're adding more complexity to it it's also broken down a lot more simply so that we can follow the way that the values are changing throughout the program so now it should give us a value from 1 to 100 in including 100 so we're going to save this and we're going to run cargo dot or cargo run from the project folder and i get an error why do i have an error oh so i only got one error here it says error expected semicolon uh, found keyword function. Uh, it says that the error is in my main.rs file, um, line three, position one. Uh, so this was not intentional. It also gives underneath that it gives the actual lot, like it gives a little code snippet, and it says it has the use rand double colon open curly brace thread underscore rng comma rng with capital R close curly brace. And then underneath that, it says, in blue, it says expected semicolon. So the problem, if that wasn't already clear, is I forgot to put a semicolon at the end of my use statement at the beginning of the program. So it freaked out. Uh, but you can see this is one of the reasons also that I really like Rust, because the output of the compiler tells you exactly what the problem is, and you don't got to look through it very much to find out what happened there. Uh, so that was what the problem was. I'll just save the program again. I will clear that, and then I will run cargo run again. I got another, I got another error. Which, if you read the comments for the last episode, uh, errors are very common in Rust, just because it has a very strict compiler, which is very good because the compiler is also very good and will tell you what the hell the problem is. Uh, and the problem in this case, it says cannot assign twice to a mutable variable sum. Now from that, I already know what the problem is. It gives me more descriptions afterwards, as well as a helpline, which says consider making this binding mutable uh, mute sum instead of just sum. It is absolutely correct. So when I defined sum, I just defined it as a, a static variable, a immutable variable. But I also edited it later. I added current die to it, which you can't do if it's not mutable. So I'm going to change that line from let sum u32 equals zero to let space and then Mike uniform tango space sum colon u32 equals zero. So I'm going to add that little mute keyword right before sum. And that will make it mutable, which will allow me to edit it later. And then I'll save this and then I'll clear that. And I'll run cargo run again. And this time it works. I get a value of 33 for my total. I'm going to try it again to see if it gives me a random one each time. This time I got 70. And one more time, I got 99. So I'm going to run it a couple more times to make sure that I can get... Well, actually, if I wanted to now, I'm going to change the 100 here to a 2. So now it's going to read, let curdie u32 equal rng dot gen range one to equal sign two. So what that's going to be is I'm going to be checking now to make sure that it's possible to get a value of two because now I know it gives me different values every time 
because the 100 was large enough that I could see that it gave me different values at all, every time, but I never got a value of 100 out of it. So now I need to make sure that it is including the endpoint. So I changed the 100 to 2 so that it's more likely that I will get that endpoint. And then I'll know if it's including that endpoint or if something is going wrong deeper in the program that I can't see. This is useful if you have a much larger project, just to double check to make sure that everything that you're expecting to happen actually happens. That way you're not surprised by bugs later on. So I'm gonna save this and then I'm gonna cargo run. I got one, I'm gonna run it again. I got one, I'm gonna run it again. I got a two. So since I got a two, I know that it is including that endpoint because there's no way I would be able to get a two if it didn't include that endpoint. So we're good to continue. <coughs> the next thing that uh, we're going to be working on is the is to make it user editable, to make sure that the user can put in whatever value they want into the command line arguments so that it can roll a bunch of different types of dice. And for this, we're going to be using the ENV, the Echo November Victor crate from the standard library. And what this is, is that it provides a lot of environment um, information to Rust. And this is environment information independent of operating systems. So this will give you environment information from Linux, Mac, and Windows if you care about that. I don't. I only use Linux because I think it's the best operating system. But if you use Windows, this will be the same thing because it is cross-platform in the way that you write the code, which is very nice in a few ways, especially for tutorials like this. So underneath our use rand line, we're going to put use space std, that's Sierra Tango Delta, um, double colon, env, echo November Victor. And then I'm going to remember to put the semicolon at the end of the line this time. And um, this will import that environment information into uh, our program. And now right before our RNG variable declaration, the let mute RNG equal thread range line. Right before that line, I'm going to put let space args, uh, that's alpha Romeo Gulf Sierra, colon space, and this is the type declaration. It's going to be a capital V, capital Victor, echo Charlie, that's vec for vector. And then I'm going to put an opening um, pointy brace, uh, open triangle bracket, uh, then a capital Sierra, T, lowercase t, R-I-N-G. So that's the word string with a capital S and then a closing pointy bracket. And then I'm going to put a space equals and then a space and then echo November Victor ENV double colon um, alpha Romeo Gulf Sierra args open parentheses close parentheses dot collect the word collect. That's Charlie Oscar Lima Lima echo Charlie Tango. And then a double season opening and a closing parenthesis and a semicolon to end that line. So what this is doing is it's from that environment, from that environment variable, that ENV, it's going to be calling the function args, which is going to grab all of the arguments from the command line. And then the, it's going to collect them using the collect method into a container that you've specified with the function dec or with the variable declaration. In this case, it's going to collect them into a vector of string. So each one of the uh, command line arguments is going to be a string in that vector. I'm going to show you how to call items from a vector a little bit later as we're, when we use this. 
but it kind of works very similarly to bash where the zero the zeroth element of that array in bash or this vector in rust is going to be the name of the program then the first element is going to be first command line argument and the second element is going to be second command line argument etc a vector in rust by the way is a um it's basically like an array in bash where it's i'm trying to think of the equivalent in i mean it's like a vector in c as well where you can if you make it mutable it doesn't have a defined size at compile time it has a defined size at run time so you can have multiple different uh, sizes of them and it'll handle all of that dynamically which is useful in something like this where you don't know how many arguments you're going to be getting uh, it'll collect all of them and put them into a container that is accessible at runtime the downside of this is that it'll compile fine but if people put in things that are weird it will break and you'll end up with a um like a core dump type thing a uh I'm blanking on the name of that particular error, but it's basically it'll crash and you won't get a whole lot of information out of it until you debug that software. So it'll just essentially crash without saying anything. You can put in um, checks for those um, crashes into your program to catch those in case you're worried about that. But because this is just a simple program, I'm not going to worry about going into that heavy of detail here. And we're just going to use it as is and you know, we're not, we're not going to put in, or we're not going to try to call the 32nd, or I mean, in this case, we're not even going to call the second element yet of the um, vector, because we don't know if it's going to exist yet. For right now, we're just going to be putting in one command line argument, which is going to define the number of sides of the single dice that we're going to be rolling right now. All right, uh, I'm going to add a couple of new lines into this document, clean it up. Specifically, I'm adding them underneath the mute RNG line and the sum line because it divides my main function into a couple of blocks. We have all of the stuff that is essentially system level with the args and the RNG, which is stuff that happens outside of the program that initialize, that needs to be initialized in order for this program to work. Then we have the stuff that I'm defining for this program, so a the stuff that is going to actually be used in this program that I have underneath that the stuff that is actually being changed in this program, like the current dice and all of that kind of stuff. So underneath the sum declaration, I'm going to put let, and I'm thinking about the mutability of it now because I got that error for the sum, but this doesn't need. So I'm going to put let sides, that's Sierra India Delta Echo, let side, oh, and then Sierra. So let sides, plural, colon, uniform 32, space, equals. So this is a variable called sides that is an unsigned 32-bit integer. I'm going to put args, which is the name of that variable we did. Uh, that's that vector of strings that holds all of the command line arguments. I'm going to put a square bracket and I'm going to put the number one because we want the first element of that particular vector. It's the same way that you, um, it's the same way that you index arrays in Python or in bash or in any of those you just put the number of the index in square bracket then we're going to put a dot then we're going to put the word parse that's papa alpha romeo sierra echo we're going to put two colons a open triangle brace u32 close triangle brace dot unwrap that's uniform november whiskey romeo alpha papa 
and then an open and close parentheses and a semicolon. So what this is doing is you're getting the first element of our args, which is that first command line argument. Then we're going to, we know that's a string. So we need to parse that string in a particular way so that we can get a uh, number out of it and not just character. Because the reason why this is important is because in your computer system, all, everything is just being stored as numbers. But like the letter A, a lowercase letter A is like the number 42 or something like that. I think it's 47. I could look it up, but I don't care right now. But if we have an A that we're getting from a from our uh, command line argument, we don't want it to take it as 42 or if like the number one. That one I'm actually going to look up because it'll useful for this particular discussion of why this matters. I'll look up the ASCII table because it is inclusive in... Uh, Unicode, which is what Rust uses natively. So let's see the numeral one. The numeral one has value, has a hex value of 31 or a decimal value of 49. So let's say we wanted to, for some reason, I'm actually going to use a four. Let's say we're casting magic missile. So we're going to want to roll a D4 for that uh, magic missile for the damage. Uh, if we put a four in there and we just ask it to use that four from the string and we just want to shove that into our the number of sides that we want, it's not going to put it as four sides because since it has that string of four, that string of four to the computer is the number 52. So we're actually going to be rolling a 52-sided die instead of a four-sided die, which is not what we want. So we want it to parse that string, that a number four string, and we want to parse that as a four, not as a four, not as a fifty-two. So to do that, we use the parse function in Rust, which will take that uh, string and interpret it based on the um, based on what the string looks like, rather than what the computer thinks that is. Essentially, it's just minusing what is it? It's minusing whatever it needs to minus in order to get the actual value of what that number looks like rather than what it thinks it is just based on what it's what the number is that's being stored in memory is that might might have been a little bit complicated but i think it that made sense um but that's the reason why you need to parse things from strings to numbers rather than just asking it to handle the string natively because the computer doesn't know what the heck a string is all it knows is numbers uh, while we were doing that aside, I think I noticed that I screwed up, yeah, uh, because I needed to add, after the triangle brace U32 and then a closing triangle brace, after that second triangle brace, I need to add an open and closing parentheses because it's a function that we're calling here. Now, the double colon thing that's in the middle there with the triangle brace nonsense, that's a particular way of declaring what type we're giving this function because there's a lot of different ways of... One of the biggest, most important things about Rust is that it is static leaped. So at, at each stage, the program needs to know what the heck is going on when it comes to the type. It will infer as much as it can, but it always the program itself always needs to know. And if there's ambiguity, you need to tell it, because otherwise it won't assume if there's more than one option. So in this case, the parse function can parse it into different types of numbers. So we could parse it to an integer, an i8 or an i32. We could parse it into an unsigned integer, like an, a u8 or in this case, a u32. In this case, we want it to give us a u32 out of it. So if, to do that, we put that double colon and we put the type in 
triangular braces. And then we put a, the double parentheses, that opening closing parentheses, to actually call that function. So after all of that is done, after that parse function is called, we have a, technically we have a result with a U32 in. Now what a result is in um, Rust, I mentioned this earlier in the series, is it is a essentially a Boolean with information inside of it. So in this case, it'll tell us if the, if the parse function succeeded or failed. And if it failed, at this point, we could catch that failure and we could display something on the screen to say, hey, you just put in, you just put the letter A in this, in into this, uh, and you want me to parse this as a number. And I don't know what the heck that means. So I, I just threw an error and you can catch that and say, Hey, you, you, you put a letter in here. What is wrong with you? Um, in this case, we're going to be smart about how, what we input. So we're just going to unwrap it willy nilly, which will, if it succeeds, it'll unwrap it and give us that, uh, the value of that U32 that's in the success. But if it's a failure, the failure doesn't have a U32 in it. So if it's a failure, it's just going to crash kind of anonymously it's it gives us a little bit of information but it'll i mean it'll say that it failed to unwrap this particular line which will tell us where the problem is which is enough in this case but we're going to be we're going to be smart about how we input things so we shouldn't fail this but if we were trying to put this into a user base we probably would want to let the user know that where the actual problem is we're not going to worry about that right now, but that's the whole point of the why that's worded the way it is, because we're unwrapping whatever we get out of it, sort of willy-nilly, and we don't really mind if it crashes at runtime because uh, the user screwed up. Uh, and so after that gets unwrapped, that's going to be a unsigned 32-bit integer because that's how we parsed it, and it'll feed that unsigned 32-bit integer that was the value that we gave to the command line argument, that first command line argument. That's what that's going to be. It's going to feed that into sides, that variable. And now it's in sides. Uh, we still haven't called sides for anything. So what we're going to do is in the declaration for our current die, when we're rolling that current die, we're going to change that equals two that we have to equals sides. So it's going to be equal Sierra, India, Delta, Echo, Sierra, and then the closing parentheses and then the semicolon. And what that's going to do is rather than going from one to two or one to hundred, like we did before, it's going to go from one to the number of sides including the number of sides. So it's basically the same as rolling a uh, 1D, whatever the number of sides are. And now we're going to save the program, and this should work. But the way that we need to call it, because we've been using cargo run, which doesn't allow you to, or rather, we've been using cargo run and then just hitting enter because everything was built in. But now we need to actually provide it with an argument. If we just run cargo run right now, it's going to say that it panicked. So this is sort of one of the things that we were talking about of, or we're not being very safe with how we're writing the code necessarily, because there are a lot of places where things could break, but it'll break at runtime and it won't break at compile time. So right now we just gave it a zero argument. So all that's in there, but then we called the first argument, but we didn't give it any argument. So it says thread main panicked at index out of bound. The len is one, but the index is one. And then it gives us the file, which in this case is source slash main.rs, gives us the line number and it gives us the character count, the character number of the actual problem. Um, so in this case, if we go to line nine and we go to character number 32 or 22, rather, 
Uh, it's probably there. Okay, so we go to character 22. That's right before the word args in that line. And the reason is because we called args at the index of one, which is the second element. But the length of args is only one. It only has one value, which is the zeroth element. So we tried to call something outside of its range, so it panicked. Um, but that's because we didn't provide it with any arguments. So we didn't actually do anything wrong in writing the code. We did something wrong in running the code, which is why it didn't yell at us in the compiler, only at when we were running it. Now, the way we add command line arguments to cargo run is we do cargo space run and then space and then two hyphens, two little dashes. And what this does, if you're familiar with bash, is that it says that this is the end of our first program. Like this is the last um, like this is the last thing you need to parse for the command line arguments for this function. So this is saying cargo, you're done. You've gotten all of the command line arguments that you need. And now we're going to be giving the command line arguments for the function that is about to run, which is our function or the rust roller function. So then we're going to put a space after the double hyphen and we're going to put 100 because we're going to roll 1d100 in this case to make sure that it can give us different numbers every time we roll it. And then we're going to hit enter. And now it doesn't panic. It gives us a total of 34. And now we're going to run it again, and it gives us a total of 3. I'm going to run it again, and it gives us a total of 71. So now we know we're getting different numbers that are all between the range of 1 to 100, which is what we gave it as the upper bound. Now, without changing anything in our code, I'm going to do cargo run double hyphen and then the number 2. And now it gives us a total of 1, gives us a total of 1. Uh, and then on the third time running it, it gives us a total of 2. So now we know that it's keeping it between those two ranges. I'm going to run it a couple more times. gives us a total of one and a total of one again. And so it hasn't given us anything outside of that range of one to two, including two. And that's what we want. So now we have something which can roll one die from one to a given number of sides. But what we really want is for it to roll multiple dice at whatever side count that we want. So what we're going to do now is we're going to enter a loop, which is going to roll a die in each iteration of the loop and then add those dice up. I'm also going to have it display what the die rolls were for each individual dice, because that can also be useful, and also I want to. So that's what I'm going to do. So underneath our sides declaration, that's let sides u32 equal, underneath that, we're going to put let, that's uh, Lima Echo Tango, dice, that's uh, Delta India Charlie Echo, and then a colon, and then a space, and then u32 because we're not going to have a negative number of dice, equal, and then a space. And then we're going to put args. Actually, this is a good point. This is where we need to decide on how we want the syntax of our command to go. I want to do it so the first number is the number of dice we're rolling, and the second number is the number of sides. That way it corresponds to D&D notation of like 3d6 or 4d5, which isn't a real dice number, but whatever. Um... So I'm actually going to change this line. I'm going to copy this line and I'm going to paste it underneath the let mute sum u32 equal line. So it's right before our sides declaration. That way it makes more sense when we're reading it because we're going to call that the number of dice is going to be args square bracket one, close square bracket. The whole line right now reads let dice colon u32 equal args open square bracket one, close square bracket. And then we're going to put dot parse, double colon, triangle bracket, u32, close triangle bracket, open and close parentheses, dot unwrap, open and close parentheses, semicolon. Now we're going to change the let sides line to be args 
2 instead of args 1 because that's going to be the second command line argument is going to be the number of sides. Uh, so right now it should work as far as how we had it before, but we would need to put like some filler number for the number of dice because we haven't actually used that yet. So now right before our current dice, I'm going to actually start building the structure of the loop that we're going to. The first thing I'm going to have it do is I'm going to have it print the word dice. So I'm going to have print exclamation point. So this is a macro called print and then opening parentheses and then a double quote and then the word dice and then a colon and then a space. So it's going to print out the word dice, a colon and a space. The reason I'm doing this is because each time it loops, I'm going to have it put what the current value of the die was. So it'll list out all of the dice values and then in a line under it, it'll list what the total is of those dice values. So at the end of that line, I'm going to put a semicolon and a new line. And now I'm going to need a variable, a mutable variable, that will keep track of what loop number we're on. You could use i for this for like an iterator. I mean, you could do this in a actual for loop if you wanted to, or a while loop if you wanted to. I'm going to be using a general loop, but we still need a way of keeping track of what loop number we're on. So I'm going to put let mute, that's let space Mike uniform tango space loop underscore num space equals space zero semicolon. I don't really care what type of um, number it decides to this one. So I'm not going to worry about a type declaration for this one um, because it's just going to be whatever zero it wants to put there. Uh, then the, on the next line after the semicolon, I'm going to put the word loop. Now this will create an infinite loop between two curly braces. So loop, open curly brace, close curly brace. Um, then in between those curly braces, I'm going to do some new lines so that I have it inside of the loop there. The first line of the loop, so underneath the loop open curly brace, I'm going to put an if statement. The way if statements work in Rust is you put the word if, and then you put the conditional without any parentheses or anything around it. And then you put the uh, scope of the if statement in curly braces. So in this case, we'll put the word if, that's India Foxtrot, space loop num, that's that variable we just defined as zero before. So if loop num, and then a space, and then a double equal sign. This is because a single equal sign is assignment. It'll assign a value to a variable, whereas a double equal sign is comparison. So it's comparing, is this value equal to that value? If it is, it'll return true. If it's not, it'll return false. So basically, if it is true that this loop num is space equal to dice, which is going to be the number of dice that we want to roll, that's the variable we just defined earlier as being equal to the first argument of our argument vector of strings. Uh, and so what we're saying in this conditional is if the loop number that we're on is the same as the number of dice we want to roll, because we're going to be having one loop per die. And so if we're at the last die, meaning it's equal to the number of dice that we were supposed to roll, since we're starting at zero dice, um, if that's true, then I'm going to do a opening curly brace and then a space and then the word break, that's Bravo, Romeo, Echo, Alpha, Kilo, and then a semicolon, and then a space, and then a closing uh, curly brace. And we do not need a semicolon at the after the curly brace because it's scoped. So since it knows that the curly braces define a scope, the closing curly brace implies a semicolon. You can put a semicolon there, I believe, but you don't need to put a semicolon there, so I'm not going to. Uh, and then a, I'm going to put in a new line. So that line is basically going to say, if we're on the last loop, if the loop number is equal to the number of dice we were supposed to roll, since we're rolling one die per loop, uh, then you can break out of the loop and it'll go right to the 
closing curly brace of that loop declaration. You can see that this is very similar to a while loop. If we were doing uh, while uh, loop num is less than dice would be kind of the same thing. Or it's even more similar to an until loop in languages that have an until loop. So we could say until the loop number is equal to the dice, then we can do this thing. But I'm, this is more of just a general loop and a way of breaking out of that loop given a condition, which I think is a little easier to understand. And so therefore, I think it's a little bit better for this sort of simple level of program. So then on the next line, underneath that if statement, I'm going to put our current die declaration. I'm actually going to just copy and paste it from what we had earlier. So I'm going to paste that underneath that if declaration just wholesale because we want to do exactly the same thing. We're going to roll a die from one to the number of sides. That's it. And then the next thing that we want to do is we want to print that out. So we're going to print exclamation points. So that's the print uh, macro. Note, not the print line macro because the print line macro will add a new line character and we don't want to add a new line character. And we're going to put an open quote, a open curly brace, a closing curly brace, and a closing double quote. Sorry. Uh, we're actually going to put a space right after that closing curly brace. So the whole thing in between the double quotes is going to be a open double quote, curly brace, close curly brace, space, close double quote. And what this is going to do is it's going to separate each one of the die rolls by a space. Then we're going to put a comma, a space, and then a um, then cur underscore die, which is the current die variable that we defined in the previous line. And then we're going to have a closing parentheses and a semicolon. So what this is going to do is we already have it printing without a new line, the word dice, and then it's going to have a space separated list of the dice that we roll. And then we're going to go on to a new line and we're going to put in that, uh, the sum aggregator, that line that we have, uh, below this, where it says sum equals sum plus cur die or the current dice. We're going to take that line there. Uh, we're going to, we're going to copy it or cut it and paste it right underneath that print statement. So it's gonna take whatever the value of sum is, which at the first loop is gonna be zero, but on each loop is gonna be the sum of all of the dice we've rolled so far. So it's gonna sum up all of those dice and we're going to add to it whatever the current die roll is to add to that die. So that way we get this running total of all of the dice that we're rolling. And then underneath that line, uh, we're gonna put loop num, that's our thing which is keeping track, that variable that's keeping track of what loop number we're on. Space equals loop num plus one. So we're going to add one to the loop number because we finished this loop and now it's going on to the next loop. So we're going to add one to that value. What this is going to do is it's going to loop through rolling a die at every point and then adding that die to the sum variable, creating an aggregate of all of the dice rolls for each loop with one loop per die that we defined in arguments. So at this point, we can uh, we can have it roll 3d6, 4d6, 3d10, whatever you want. But we need one more line to make it readable. So after the loop num equals loop num plus one line, after that line, we're going to put a closing curly brace to close out our loop. And then underneath that line, we're going to put print exclamation point uh, parenthesis, open parentheses, open quote, and then backslash, which is a escape character for a new line character, and then a closing double quote, a closing parenthesis, and a semicolon. And what this is going to do is it's going to create a new line after it's written out all of the dice, 
and then it will have that print line exclamation point open parentheses total space double curly brace comma sum which will put out what the sum is of all of those dice rolls so now i'm going to save this uh project and then i'm going to cargo run and then i'm going to have it roll 1d100 so i'm going to do one space 100 after the double hyphen so it's cargo space run space double hyphen space one space 100 i'm going to hit enter and it says dice colon 58 total colon 50 so it only rolled one dice or one die so it only has one element in the dice column and the total is equal to that one die that it rolled so that worked well i'm going to run it one more time and we got a different number so we know that the random number is still working it rolled a 55 so the dice colon 55 total colon 50 so now i'm going to have it do two space 100 so it's cargo run double hyphen space two space 100 i'm gonna hit enter and now it says dice colon space 21 space 26 and then the total is 47 so you get both of the die values and their total which is what we're looking for here because now for example if you wanted to do um, I mean, I'm going to use this as an example. If you're playing backgammon, if anybody knows how to play backgammon, you roll 2d6. But you can use either the total or each one of the dice individually to move various tokens. So what you can do here is if I do cargo run uh, space double hyphen space 2 space 6, then it'll roll 2d6. And we have a 5 and a 6 on each die for a total of 11. So now if I'm playing backgammon, I know that I can either move... Um, two tokens, one by five and one by six, or I can move one token by 11. And I know that just at a glance because I have both the dice values as well as their total. Can also be used in other things as well, but this is sort of, this is the culmination of everything that I want it to work. And so now we have our nice little dice rolling application. I'm gonna clean it up a little bit with a couple of new lines just to make it a little bit more readable. And I should probably add comments to this, but I'm not going to because I have this entire episode explaining how I wrote each one of the lines in this code. Uh, and I'm going to put that in the readme file for the Git repository. So it should all work out. Um, this is basically the end of this episode. And if there's anything you need to want me to explain to you more that isn't clear, uh, give me a message on Mastodon. I'm uh, at blackkernel at um, nixnet.social, I believe. Uh, it'll also be in the show notes for this episode. Or you can email me um, at izzyleibowitz at pm.me. And that'll also go to my email and we can talk about it. Over. Um, I think that's about it. So thank you for listening. And I will talk to you next time where what we're going to be doing is we're going to be taking this dice roller and beautifying it, making it a little bit easier to use on the command line, as well as making it able to handle advantage drop the lowest for like 4d6 drop lowest stuff like that just kind of like adding more functionality to this killer program uh, i'll talk to you next time you've been listening to hacker public radio at hackerpublicradio.org today's show was contributed by an hbr listener like yourself if you ever thought of recording a podcast then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is Hosting for HBR is kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive, and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.